0: You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. Matt Brown's here with us a little bit early today because we're going to be talking to the governor. At the bottom of the hour. And of course it is big day. Uh, uh, we've got the Herschel Walker debate today. On Tuesday you've got the Brad Raffensperger debate. Which Matt Brown will be on the panel. How you doing Matt?
1: Hey Martha. Doing pretty well this morning.
0: Yeah so tell us first of all. Are you in Savannah? With the rest of the I world? I am
1: not in Savannah. I am I am back in Atlanta. After having followed Kemp and Abrams around. Um, all, all week and everything. And I'm now looking at. Um, getting prepared actually as you were saying for this debate here in Atlanta and, and thinking about what's going on in the Secretary of State debate um, before all that goes so covering covering my own debate um, before um, but keeping but keeping an eye out on what's going on down in Savannah with the Senate
0: yeah everybody doesn't have to be there anyway so that's just the way it is hey so what are you looking for tonight for tonight
1: Definitely so the thing that I'm most interested in is basically how, these two candidates are going to be really presenting in front of each other. I mean, Herschel Walker on the campaign trail has been very upfront about the fact that he thinks that Raphael Warnock is an impersonator on the policies that he represents, that he is, in, in many ways, he's explicitly said that he thinks he's a false pastor, and that he does not um, believe that he's a good, the good family man um, that he has presented himself as. I'm very curious to see how Walker, if Walker's going to be able to land those attacks in person on Warnock. Um, in this debate, and on the flip side, I'm very curious to see how Warnock is going to be able to ma- maintain this. I'm I'm the good old guy who can get along with everybody. Um, I can reach across the aisle. I can I can be a nice nice um, you know upstanding pastor. Um, when he also you know I mean like he is also a black pastor from Georgia. This man knows how to how to bring some. Um, you know, some, some some thunderous prose, um, to a to a debate setting, if not a speech um, or a sermon. So that's that's the thing that I'm going to be seeing. How are they going to be able to maintain um their their personalities and their and their personas in this moment when debates just drag people into the mud? And it, it's going to be interesting to see to see who comes out dirtier.
0: Well, yesterday. I- Warnock said something amazing where he said, and I heard it on one newscast in his voice, then I didn't hear it again. So I don't know if they decided when newsworthy. I don't know. But he said, yes, we're just they're getting too personal in this race. I'm thinking to myself, uh, they're not getting too personal in the race. You've been personal since the first ad you ran. Um, They're not. He says, oh, we need to talk about the issues and not people's personal lives. Well, um, I think pretty much most of the ads. Now, I know a lot of the negative Herschel Walker ads have been by Super PACs, but there have been several that have, I'm Raphael Warnock and I approve this message. So he's been talking about Herschel Walker's personal life, too.
1: Yeah, one of the ads that that has been going on since the beginning, as you know, is from um, Herschel Walker's um, ex-wife saying that that he held a gun to her head. Now that's from an NBC interview from 2009, I believe. That they actually were Herschel Walker was actually there, and they were talking about his mental health issues. But what Raphael Warnock just wants to present that without comment. Um, in those ads, and, as you've also noted, though a lot of other PACs have come into the state and are and are showing, um, you know, the stuff about Herschel paying for an abortion of one of his um, other children and all the, and all these other issues that they've been bringing up and just throwing all this stuff on Walker. So it's become a very personalized situation. But I think that Warnock's strategy so far anyway has been to say, well, I'm just not going to get into it and I'm going to let my political allies do all the, the mudslinging, but I'm going to maintain my image as the guy who holds the puppy. And that so far has, according to the polls, seemingly worked out pretty well for us. It's
0: worked, but it's, it's not true. And it what's interesting is I've, talked to a lot of Republican groups over the last 10 days or so. And I've seen a real shift back to Herschel Walker. Um, I did a presentation last night where I was talking about the concerns about Herschel. And then a question from the audience was, well, what about Reverend Warnock? And of course, we do have the story out there about the rental units that Ebenezer Baptist Church has. Um, We've got finally the ad with the body cam call from or the body cam coverage of his ex-wife uh, in the famous 2020 he almost ran over me incident I mean she said he ran over him but he didn't actually run over her but still he got in his car I think we can agree he got in his car angrily and took off and she had to jump out of the way I think that is true Uh then you had the situation with the church camp where he was arrested for obstruction of justice along with another Uh, Pastor that were running a church camp and there was an investigation into child abuse. What concerns me about that is those are both legal actions that were taken related to church businesses, you know. And so I think that, you know, many people, what I see people doing is they mute the ads when the ads come on now because they're just so hard to watch, whether they're Herschel Walker ads or Warnock ads. Uh, And I do think that it's going to be really interesting. I do see GOP voters, though, that were questioning a week ago are more certain today.
1: Yeah, we've seen this phenomenon all the time, as, as you've said, where where the more people will attack someone as, as you know, beyond the pale or, or, or deplorable, as one famous Democratic candidate once said, um, that really can rally people. And I can really say, like, I, I still identify with this person. I can I could forgive and understand this person. Um, and the fact that you don't seem to want to give um, redemption or, or any type of grace to this person is, is actually going to make me be rejecting you and not, not come to your side. So that, yeah. that is a... a, a
0: And interestingly enough, I have a friend of mine who works with uh, young people, late high school, early college. So only the early college folks are going to be able to vote, maybe the high school seniors. But they were males, athletes, you know, African-American. All right. And they just came up, it came up some questions because they knew that this person was a political person, asked them questions. Every single one of those kids remembered that the Grace ad, which now is the newest ad, of course, so maybe that's why they remember it. It's also very different looking than everything else you're seeing. Everything else you're seeing looks like, you know, a, a segment of cops or something like that, whereas this one is Herschel Walker looking into the camera much like Raphael Warnock did in 2020.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that that ad was was very a good team setter, especially for tonight, where where Walker is going to be saying, like, you know, like, I wants to set my own identity and set the own your own understanding of me from the public. And that's going to be an important thing that he's going to have to do here. Like if if going into this debate, um, Walker or Warnock stumble in not being able to uphold that perception, that's going to be catastrophic for either one of them here. Though I do think that because of um, those ads, there's been a bit of like a setting of expectations on what we're actually going to hear from the candidates today.
0: Well, and I do think if I were Herschel Walker, because I know he's got limited funds compared to Raphael Warnock. I mean, that is one thing we know is true. Democrats have outraised Republicans, even though Republicans have done pretty well. They've raised more money than they have in almost any other cycle. But the Democrats have raised even more. Uh, That's the only ad I would run between now and election. I mean, maybe if you got some new thing, but I would run ads, either the Grace ad or more ads of him talking into the camera you know, connecting with people because he's a successful motivational speaker. As Andra Gillespie said on the primary night, we have a polished pastor and a lay pastor. You know, Herschel Walker needs to channel his inner lay pastor and he needs to look into the camera and he needs to tell his story as many ways as his money will buy.
1: One hundred percent. I'm also curious to see how he's going to translate that into two more events. Um, both candidates really were laying low this week in terms of not having that many events before this like very large debate. But I'm curious in the run ups now that early voting is going to be starting next Monday and everything. What these candidates are going to be doing and saying in this final push as people are actually going to be able to, you know, possibly go to an event from one of them and then right after go cast their ballot. This is going to be a very new thing. I mean, honestly,
0: I think the numbers, Matt, are going to be astronomical on this. I mean, I think that the early voting in person, because people are feeling good, they're not afraid of COVID. I mean, we had this perfect storm in 2020 where you had older poll workers that didn't want to go to the polls. You had older people that didn't want to go to the polls. You had this upsurge in absentee ballots because of COVID. You had a lot of just fear and angst and all kinds of problems. This almost feels like a new day because people feel pretty comfortable about where they are related to COVID. They're not afraid of it anymore. Um, It's still out there, of course, but it's not something that's keeping people from doing what they want to do. And I think people feel the most confident casting their ballot in person. And I think they're going to utilize that.
1: Oh, no doubt. I think that early voting is going to be incredibly a spike this year. And, and and on the COVID point, that's one thing that I was very struck by following the governor this week, is is hearing him talk so much about how one of the the things that he really believes is a strong point in his campaign is that he didn't shut down the state for that long during um 2020, during the pandemic. He said that that was, and that's because he said that he listened to small business owners in Georgia, and that he, he believes that is a, a serious part of his campaign this year, that he is going to, um, You know, campaign on that, that, that if, if a Democrat had been in power, he says that, that the state would have been locked down longer and that, that you need to understand me because I understand you. And I think that's going to be a very um powerful message that um, not just going into how people are going to cast their ballots, but also how people are just thinking about what the race has been.
0: Well, let's shift gears to Raffensperger very quickly. Um, You're going to be one of the panelists on that debate. And what Democrats are most afraid of is that those crossover votes from the primary are going to stay crossover votes. And, um, uh, you know, Republicans have basically come back home as it relates to Brad Raffensperger.
1: Yeah, definitely. The polling that we've we've seen here and from my conversations with folks down on the trail, it's pretty clear that, that people at this point, are, are very consolidated around Raffensperger. He, he's definitely polling ahead of Bina Wendt in the polls. At the same time, as you get further down the, the ballot here, there starts to be a much, much higher level of uncertainty or, or not an understanding of, um, you know, who's, who's even running in these certain races and whatnot. So I have seen a serious consolidation around Raffensperger and a lot of other folks on the ticket. People are saying that I might have had annoyances or grievances about the 2020 election and how it was run i might not trust him to give me my business license on time but he's he's a better guy than the others than what the other side is offering whereas no her her job has been to really make sure that she's everyone in the state actually even knows who she is. So she only just recently went up with ads that are attacking Raffensperger as um you know a, a supporter of SB202, the Election Integrity Act. She she's been going up um you know talking about abortion, which is not something that the Secretary of State actually has all that much to do with, but that she um believes is something that voters um care about in this election. And it it's really shown that that even though Raffensperger is is you know i think pulling like 12, 15 points ahead of her at the moment. It is still a race that that there's a lot of people who are undecided out there. And and I would honestly be surprised if any race in Georgia at this point would come down to would come with a 12 or 15 point gap in, in 2022.
0: Well, we may bet a dinner on that. And we'll talk about that next week. Matt Brown from The Washington Post. Thanks so much for being with me today.
2: Thanks, Martha. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN.
0: It is the Martha Zoller Show, and joining me right now is Governor Brian Kemp that is in the, you know, kind of closing days. Campaigns are weird now because you've got this early voting for a couple of weeks, and so early voting starts on Monday. So uh, he's campaigning like crazy right now ahead of early voting, and I don't think it will stop until Election Day. How you doing, Governor Kemp?
3: Hey, good morning, Martha. Doing great.
0: So where are you today?
3: Well, we just left Eccles County, uh, so we were in Brooks. We've been in Lounge, been in Eccles County all over south and southwest Georgia this whole week after being uh, in Atlanta on Monday. And So we've been chopping a lot of wood down there, getting people fired up, getting getting ready to, for a big turnout on early voting starting Monday, and we're on our way to Bacon right now. So we're coming northbound on 75.
0: You know, I said uh, last week that you can – You can tell that some of the external polls are reflected by uh, also internal polls by how you and your opponent are campaigning because you're campaigning all over the state in front of all kinds of groups and reaching out to, you know, every Georgian. What we're seeing from the other side is they look like they're still shoring up their base. That doesn't mean we don't have a lot of work to do, but it seems to me that you're hearing from a lot of different groups of people while you're campaigning.
3: Well, that's a good point, Martha. I mean, we have been campaigning, you know, in every zip code, every neighborhood. You know, last week we had a great event at Clark Atlanta University, one of our HBCUs in the state with a... You know, I was the only Republican to show up there. Uh, but we're, we're going after those votes. we got a re- record and a message to do that. But also a lot of what's driving our events and our get-out-the-vote efforts is also fundraising. You know, Stacey Abrams has raised more money than anybody could ever imagine in the governor's race. and Ninety percent of it's come from outside the state, California, New York, Washington, D.C., national unions. And so we're having to fight really hard to keep up with that, and thankfully, Uh, My fellow Georgians and our supporters are helping us, and we're just, you know, we're dictating where the bus is going around events we're doing every night, and we're beating the bushes during the day and working nonstop. We're going to do that to make sure Stacey Abrams isn't our governor or our next president.
0: So how, what do you hear in issue talk to people? What are the top issues that are on their mind? I
3: would say the overwhelming thing that I hear people is they're just thanking me for keeping the economy open, thanking me for helping them have such great opportunities over the last two years when you saw other states that were oppressing their people. They wouldn't let them go to work. They wouldn't let their kids be in the classroom. They wanted to defund the police and then cash bail. And those are all things that Stacey Abrams, you know, she criticized me for opening the economy and keeping it open. She criticized me for sending our kids back to school, and she supports defunding the police. She said it with her own words as well as eliminating Cash bail. And, you know, we've been standing with our men and women in law enforcement and making sure that people have economic opportunity no matter what neighborhood or what zip code they're in. And that's a message, Martha, that cuts across political lines. Those are nonpartisan issues for most Georgians. And that's why we're doing non traditional voters like African Americans, Latinos, our Asian population, and a lot of the metro area that Republicans haven't won in past elections. Because they're concerned about crime. They want a good economy and they want their kids and their grandkids to have economic opportunity. And they don't want to, you know, be working for their taxes to get raised by a president that said he wouldn't do that. And they're, they're mad about that. And that's, that's the agenda that Stacey Abrams supports. And that's the one she would bring to Georgia, raising taxes and, you know, more lockdowns. And that's what we're fighting against here.
0: You know, you had a very tough job. Obviously, being governor of the state of Georgia is a very tough job. But, but the reunification of the Republican Party, you had to deal with after the 2020 election. And for me, the turning point for you, and it might be different how you look at it, but the turning point that I saw was at the Georgia GOP convention, where after you spoke and before you spoke, you stood out in that corridor for maybe an hour and a half. I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. You stood out there and took every question from every person that walked by and answered them directly and talked to them directly. And I I, for me, that's when I said, OK, he's going to be fine. He's going to be able to bring this party back together again. And he's going to be able to talk about what he's accomplished and not talk about the past.
3: Well, I think that's a great point, and it's not just, you know, I didn't just do it at the convention. No. I've done it all over this state at all kind of different events with all kind of different crowds. And, you know, I think the longer the primary went on, and even as tough as it was, it gave me an opportunity to share what the truth was with people, but also reminding them, uh, remind them of my record and how I have fought for those individuals, whether they voted for me or not, keeping our economy open. You know, making sure kids were back in the classroom, keeping the capital city of Atlanta from being burned down and standing with our law enforcement, fulfilling promises I made in 18 to do teacher pay raises and strengthening rural Georgia and have a great economy in our state and, you know, stand up and push back against the woke left, including Stacey Abrams on our voting bill that makes it easy to vote and hard to cheat in Georgia when they cost us or she cost us the all-star game and hurt small business owners in the in the, in the middle of because of all that, and we never wavered. You know, I stood up with what the truth was, and we got poetic justice because the Braves won the World Series. But also we had record turnout in our primary on the Republican side and the Democratic side. And so a lot of ways Georgia and our positions that we took really started fighting back against the woke and the cancel culture long before anybody else in this country. And it's because we had the truth on our side, and we still have it on our side. And that's why we're going to win this election. We just got to continue to tell people about my record versus hers. And I'm confident if we're able to do that, we're going to win November the 8th.
0: So, of course, the economy, education, violence, they're the big issues. When you're reelected, what are you going to do first? How are you going to hit the ground running?
3: Well, there's two things that I'm really, well, really three things I'm very excited about. Obviously, there's a lot of work we want to continue on strengthening rural Georgia, continuing to bring jobs and economic prosperity, just like we've done in the northeast part of the state, which is my home and where you are in Gainesville right now and a lot of other areas up there, uh, but continuing to do rural broadband, working on our transportation infrastructure. But we also, Martha, you know, I've already said, if we go back in January or when we go back good people will send us up there we're going to do another tax rebate we had another incredible year because we were open and said no to stacy abrams closing our economy we have record revenues we got more money than we need instead of wasting it and spending it on pork barrel projects we're going to do another tax rebate and send it back to our citizens to help them fight 40 year high biden inflation that we're seeing at the grocery store with eggs up 15 percent you know milk up uh, eggs up 30 percent sorry milk up 15 percent and you know that's that's hurting hard working Georgians and we're going to try to help them fight through this we're also going to do property tax relief grant you know we've done that in the past we have the money a billion dollars extra that's in our reserves that we're going to get back to our citizens through property tax relief grants to help folks with rising property taxes we believe that'll save the average Georgia homeowner between 15 and 25 percent And then we have a great plan to deal with a little bit of learning loss that we've seen in our state and to help our kids on an individual needs basis per school, per student. Um, You know, unfortunately, you hate rewarding people for bad behavior, but we had a lot of our kind of woke school boards, especially in our metro areas, that wouldn't get our kids back in the classroom, unlike what happened in Gainesville City and Hall County. Um, And that's not... You know, uh, it is not the right thing to do, but we don't need to penalize our children. So we're making grants available to help them get, get back and deal with learning loss. we got money in the budget to help our uh, paraprofessionals. We have 9,000 of them in the classroom to be able to get certified so they become full-time teachers to help with that issue. And then we also are continuing to do more on school safety grants and other things to train school resource officers and help our schools be prepared to keep their campuses safe. Thankfully, in this state, we did a big grant back in 2019 before the latest round of violence. So we have been on the forefront of that and many other things like the Mental Health Parity Act and dealing with mental health issues in our state. We want to continue all of that good work and do some more.
0: Yeah, I was driving to Jekyll Island uh, this week for the state school board um, retreat and I appreciate you appointing me to that board. It's been great work and we've certainly, I've certainly enjoyed doing it and learned a lot. I understand now why it's a seven-year term because it takes a long time to get your feet on the ground. But what I will tell you is we took the back way all the way because we like to drive through towns rather than be on 16 the whole time and there was development all over the place i mean and you could tell by the development that it was businesses it was jobs and i remember saying to lynn i said you know in in a couple of years people are going to be working here and that's what we're creating that's what brian kemp has created is this ability that no matter where you live in georgia there's going to be some economic opportunity for you to live work and play where you want to in georgia
3: Well, I'll tell you a great story. I know you were running a clip of us being down in Brooks County the other day at the Royal Cafe, and I had a a tractor mechanic that came in there. It was like 8.30 in the morning. His shirt was already dirty because he had a morning call getting somebody's tractor back running. And I was talking to the owner of the company last night at an event in Thomasville, and he was telling me about the guy meeting me and showed me the picture we took, and he said, this guy has gone from making $20 an hour to making $40 an hour as a mechanic. He was able to buy a home. He slipped that home and made like $80,000 when he did that and was able to buy a little bit bigger house and have the same payment. And the guy that I was talking to's point was, only you can only do that in Georgia because you kept us open. And this guy thrived, and he's so happy, and that's why he came to see me. He was appreciative of, you know, the positions we've taken to just give him the opportunity to live to fight another day during a global pandemic. When you saw a lot of other governors around the country that would not have done that. And Stacey Abrams has said, Martha, with her own words, she wouldn't have done it either. And that's why we need people to get out and vote. Vote early. Let's get it done. And we'll keep this state moving in the right direction and not move it backwards like our country's doing right now with those policies that she would bring from up there down here.
0: Governor Brian Kemp, if people want to help you, how can they do that?
3: Hey, Brian Kemp, twenty twenty two dot com. We'd love to have anybody help us with a contribution to offset the California, New New York money that's coming in for Stacey Abrams.
0: We appreciate it very much, Governor. Keep chopping.
3: All right, we're chopping. Have a great day, God Thank bless. Thank you. Putting the talk in news talk. It's the
2: Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9, WDUN. Over the next few weeks, I'll be talking specifically to you. Not because I want something from you, but because I want more for us. So let's start handling our political decisions the same as we handle our business careers and our family responsibilities. Speaking of which...
0: It is the Martha Zoller Show, and that was Kelvin King. We played you part of the audio yesterday. We played you the rest this morning, and Kelvin King is on the phone with me right now. I gave a speech yesterday at uh, Lanier Village Estates, and I had several people come up to me and go, you introduced me to Kelvin King, and I sure hope he's going to do something else. Well, I told him that you just had, Kelvin. How are you?
2: Hey, good morning, Martha. Happy to be here with you again. Yeah, you're very popular
0: with the little old ladies, okay?
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks so much.
0: So tell us about Kings for America and this, this kind of push you just put out.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks for um, allowing me to share a little, bit about, a little bit about our initiative here. It's called Kings for America. It's just a play on my last name, obviously, but it's also focused on a segment of the voting population that the Democrats typically think that they have it in the bag. And uh, Stacey Abrams, you know, she's made comments about you know, if black men vote, she wins. So they have a, a, a full court press on the black male vote. Uh, because that is a uh, a very important segment um, of the demographics that will help the Democrats. And that's the segment that we want to target. We think that you know, there's about a million black male Democrats, about 700, that typically vote uh, in multiple elections. And if we can chip into that, we think we can chip into a portion of that 700,000 and focus on the about 250,000 who are weak Democrats or swing voters, uh, within that 250,000, if we can cut into that, let's say 50,000, we've made a huge difference in every race up and down the ballot for the Republican Party. So we know that there are black males that are disenchanted with the Democratic Party, and they're not necessarily leaving the Democratic Party, but they're open to vote you know, across the ballot. And that's those other the the people, those are the targets. Those are the men that we want to talk with, because those are the ones that are more open to listening to our message. And they can see that our Republican conservative message is a much, much more beneficial message than what the Democrats are doing right now. So you
0: said there's roughly a million black male voters in Georgia and mm-hmm. 700,000
2: uh, de- Democrats, de-
0: Democrats, a million Democrat male voters in Georgia. Mm-hmm. 700,000 of them vote, which I think is a pretty good turnout, actually, um, to get 70 percent. Um, wow, that's pretty exciting. And you know what? For the fir- I think what's kind of exciting uh, in general is that for the first time in a long time, I've heard Democrats talk about black men, specifically about black men. They've spent a lot of time talking about all kinds of other things and ignoring black men and black women. But they're talking about black men and what they need. I mean, you hear the things like the clips you you played at the beginning that we mm-hmm. played yesterday from Charlemagne the God or something like that. Uh, but, I, you know, I think it's an important message because they shouldn't be left out. You know, right. there's it's an important electorate. Why shouldn't both parties go after that electorate?
2: Yeah, and the Democrats are doing it right now, and I just want to encourage as many people um, to be open to having a conversation, talking with anyone that you that you may come across about our principles, our party. Just give them that type of engagement to where they see that we are a a, a big a big tent party. We are open and welcoming of all who uh, you know, believe in believes in America and American values and. Capitalism, like the traditional Republicans do, and you know we're going to be hosting several other discussions following my intro video. We're going to be ho- hosting several other discussions, um, and you know we want to hear more about what's on the minds of Black men. And you know we can't just engage every four years or every two years. We have to continue this conversation, um, you know, continuously. That way, people you know non-traditional you know conservatives or or democrats will see that we are a welcoming welcoming party and uh i'm looking forward to the following up from from this particular uh intro video that you shared with the public thank you for sharing it but i'm looking forward to following up with some more Some more pretty effective and powerful messaging that we have coming down the pike.
0: Well, what I thought was interesting, too, is I think you tapped into something that I've observed in the black community where many times black men will call their wives a queen or they'll call, you know, a a woman in their life, their queen. And no one ever calls a black man a king. And I I I really I have have watched it from afar being, you know, a white bread and mayonnaise white girl. I haven't commented on it very often, you know, but it's something I've noticed. And I think that there's a lot of people that miss that. Uh, You know, I had one uh, political analyst that I shared the video with and and he said, um, well, he didn't mention Brian Kemp or. Or uh, Herschel Walker. So, what good is this? And I said, No, this is about a long-term strategy. Yes, right, we want to get right. people. We want to get people out to vote in this election, of course, and we want them to vote Republican. But it's more about, kind of like you know, Joe Lowry said in his book. Uh, Zell Miller said in his book, A National Party No More, about the taking for granted of the black vote within the Democratic Party, where the only time that black folks heard from Democrats was at election time. I think what you're saying, if I'm getting this, is that this Mm -hmm. is a conversation that has to go on and that we have to not only win you over, but we've got to keep you.
2: Yes, exactly. And that gentleman who made that comment, um, I mean, that's exactly uh, where we where we typically drop the ball as republicans we think that we need to to do some hyper messaging right around election season right and that doesn't work it it falls on deaf ears to people who don't who are none Traditional voters who don't typically vote uh, conservative if we if we truly want to expand the tent we have we have to reach out and I like that you brought up how we play on the word kings you know my last name is King and and in the black community there's a lot of conversations about kings and queens and oftentimes you know the black girl magics and, and hey queen as we, when we're referring to black women um, that's pretty common but uh, like you said, the king part isn't quite as common, but it, it it's typically discussed in a black community. So I just want to play on that and I want to show that I understand. Um, I mean, I am part of the black community and we can speak in a way where it's connecting, but it's still pushing and highlighting our good conservative values. And I like to use my life as an example of that, um, where conservative principles and values help me uh, get to where I am. and. Well, we've got message a message of encouragement. We're just trying to encourage people.
0: We have got a lot of work to do as a society. OK, and and a lot of times it's the unintended consequences. Right, Kelvin, that that are the worst. OK, so it was a good idea um, when I think people's hearts were in the right place when they passed a lot of the social programming that they did in the 60s. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is that prior to that social programming being passed, that even though black families were poorer, they typically were made Married and they raised the children in a married household. Right. And by creating this system, and it hurt white families, brown families, and black families that were poor. It wasn't just black families that it hurt. That by creating this 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 ecosystem, if you will, where uh, you got more if there wasn't a man in the home than if there was a man in the home, then what we did is we devalued the role of that Middle class, lower class man in the home, and mm-hmm. and we shouldn't be surprised that fifty years later, sixty years later, we have a lot fewer men in homes where they should be. And
2: you, you you're you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head.
0: Yeah, and so that's what, and and I, as the mother of three boys who are men now, um, I have always been concerned about how we have been telling boys for a while that they're not valuable. All again, these unintended consequences. It was great to lift up women. I have a daughter, too. It's great. I've I've benefited from all of that. But, but all mm-hmm. this lifting up of women, which needed to be done, it didn't have to be done at the expense of putting down men. And... We we can all grow. The beautiful thing about capitalism is it's not a zero sum game.
2: Mm-hmm. And what you said, what I heard you say is that we're all interconnected. Yes. And I think that that is a message that we need to always settle on. I mean, regardless if there's a a, a outreach effort to a, a you know any American community or a Pacific American community, community community or Black American community Asian, whatever, those are outreaches. That, that, that's great. It's healthy, but if any community is weak, if any community community is struggling, that means America is weaker and America is struggling. So I think it's very appropriate for for us to to you know cater or craft our messaging to specific communities. I think it's important for us to have the messengers that can connect best with a variety of communities because we need the messaging to get out, regardless of how it gets out. We need the messaging to get out. The messaging of we're all Americans, we're all important, we're all valuable, and we can all do it. Uh, I think confidence is missing a lot in, a, in particularly the black male community. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that we lack opportunities. I don't think we lack a drive. I think we just lack the confidence, oftentimes the direction, in order to change our lives. And, and the, You know, we, we, fact- we, we can help.
0: The fact of the matter is if you close your eyes and you imagine a world without the United States in it it would be a very dark place and this is still the only place in the world where you can come and you can start with nothing and you can make yourself into something we don't exactly. have these arbitrary class systems yes we've had problems yes we've we've made the same mistakes the humans have made throughout the ages okay but mm-hmm. we have a framework through our constitution that gives us the ability to work our way out of this and i'm very encouraged about what you're doing number one but also even though the inflation numbers were terrible and all kinds of things are going on right now that we haven't seen in 40 or 50 years we're going to work our way out of this
2: mm-hmm. we will we will together though we've got to be a big tent party uh, once again
0: absolutely Calvin king how can people get more information
2: Yeah, uh, just go to uh, Let's Win for America. Let's Win for America action. Uh, We have Facebook. We have uh, our website. Uh, We're all over social media. Uh, Go there, check out our videos. We have some stuff coming down the pike. I think you're going to like it. And um, let's just get together and and let's make sure the the red red wave uh, hits Georgia.
0: And early voting starts on Monday, folks. Get out and vote. Make a plan to vote um, and make sure that your vote is counted. I appreciate very much uh, you being with me today, Kelvin. Thank you.
2: Sure, thanks for having me, Martha.
0: To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.